0: Eagles Entertainment.
1: The Journey to the Draft is driven by AAA. AAA, roadside is their strong side. Make AAA a part of your game day today. AAA, go ahead. With the 25th
2: pick in the NFL draft. The Philadelphia Eagles select. You're listening to the Journey to the Draft podcast, driven by AAA.
1: Welcome to the Journey to the Draft podcast, driven by AAA. I'm your host, Fran Duffy. We've got some big games that did happen this week. We got some Big games that didn't happen, but a lot of action nonetheless here. A lot to cover, and we're going to start things off this week as we have every single Tuesday with our Scout Stories segment. This week, we're going to be joined by Eagles Senior Director of College Scouting, Anthony Patch, to talk all about Eagles wide receiver Deshaun Jackson and his uh, evaluation process, his scouting, his projection to the NFL. Some good stories uh, from Patch here this week because he was the West Coast Scout when Deshaun was coming out, so really cool uh, to get his insight uh, on D. Jackson, his projection to the league after that uh, we have Saturday scouting myself Ben Fennell Dane Brugler not only our reactions from this weekend but also a little bit of a speed round on all the announcements about the senior bowl uh, what they've made the last week they have announced a bunch of players and we'll kind of speed through uh, some of the highlights that you need to know for some of those top players then we're going to round things out with two more segments on the clock Chris McPherson he's going to once again join the show to moderate a debate between Ben Dane and I the topic this week. Which offensive lineman are you running behind on third and long? So fun talking in the trenches there and on the clock. And we'll wrap it up with a question, a mock draft from you at home in our draft mailbag. As always, before we get things going, best way to throw us your support is go on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. Leave us a rating. Leave us a comment. It makes the show more visible to others that are looking for NFL Draft Podcasts. You guys have been so great with helping us out with that. The more you can do, the better. Really appreciate everybody that has done that over the course of the last couple of weeks. Please keep it coming. That being said, let's get things going here. We'll kick it off right at the top, Scout Stories. Pull up a seat. It's time for Scout
3: Stories.
1: All right, well, joining us to talk about Eagles wide receiver Deshaun Jackson, a guy who was the West Coast area scout back in 2008 and is now the senior director of college scouting, Anthony Patch. Patch, welcome back to the show, man. Thanks, Fran let's talk uh, let's talk a little bit about Deshaun jackson and, and like as i mentioned you were the the west coast area scout uh when he was coming out of college so uh give us some of your memories now or i mean we're now 12 years removed uh from him being uh you know entering the NFL draft so what, what were your thoughts on Deshaun when he was a cow
0: yeah Fran, he, he was a you know you walk up and see him in you know, practice and you're like holy cow i mean he he looked like he is a 160 pounds soaking wet you're know, like is this guy really guy now he was a you know early guy, out guy too you know he was that long beach poly kid and that's a national high school program so it wasn't like and he was a national recruit he was a big time guy coming out but you know he didn't wow you when he walked up on him let's just say that at, at practice and mm. you know coach Tedford was uh the coach at the time and that was a good program at the time I mean he, they had a three receiver group with the Lavelle Hawkins and I remember a guy named Robert Jordan with the receivers there, and it, all of them were pretty formidable. And then they had in the backfield, you got to remember that Justin uh, Forsett and That's then right. Marshawn Lynch That's was right. there. And they had a uh, tight end, uh, Craig Stevens, who went like in the fourth round to, uh, I believe, Tennessee, along with uh, Alex Mack, who went the first round to uh, Cleveland. So that, that was a good Cal program. And I just remember seeing him. I'm like, holy cow, how's this guy going to survive? Then he threw on the tape, and it was just you know easy mover, explosive, sudden change of direction. And you know, I went to a Tennessee game there at Berkeley that year. I think it was the first or second game of that that fall. And uh, you know, I sit in there, and he he takes this punt and makes about five or six guys miss. And I'm like, holy cow! I mean, his start to you know his change of direction, stop, start, start is was unbelievable. And I think he put up like 100 plus yards that game, too. And I'm, I just walked out there and I'm like, holy cow, nobody can hit this guy. So, it, you know, I think at that time he was 160 some pounds. They said he came in the program 155 pounds or something. And, you know, I, I, I don't think he's much more than that right now. He might be high 170s, Fran. But, you know, I, the old saying, you know, if you can't hit him, let him, you know, keep him playing. <laughs> and, you know, nobody could get a, a target on him. As a, so, as a hitter so, so yeah
1: is that the takeaway i guess for our listeners is like you know um you know don't knock a guy because of that size, or is he just a unicorn like in terms of like a guy at that size being able to have the level of success that he had for as long as he's done it
0: yeah he's uh, he's one of the most unique uh players i've scouted in person in terms of just speed and looseness you know wh- you know what you want and he's just not a deep target now he could run all the routes underneath and I'll just say unique, Fran.
1: Mm. Well, well, Patch, really appreciate you joining us once again to talk about Eagles wide receiver Deshaun Jackson. We'll talk to you again soon, man. All right, so great stuff there from Anthony Patch on Deshaun Jackson. Two points, two takeaways here for us. Uh, the big one is just unicorns, right? And uh, Patch, you described Deshaun as truly unique. Right? But what is it that allowed Deshaun to overcome those lack of slots? What is it that made him unique? Number one, um, you know, and, and Patch kind of said it there at the end, avoiding the big hit. Right, You never saw him just getting crushed over the middle of the field. And a lot of guys that are undersized, especially skilled players, they have that knack for being able to avoid the big hit and that uh, allows them to, to last as long as they do. And the other big thing, and we didn't hit on this, but the other thing that kind of made Deshaun just – so so elite at what he did his ball tracking ability right I mean his ability to track the ball over the shoulder and make those big plays uh that was attributed to, to his baseball background and scouts do look for that that multi-sport uh background Deshaun absolutely had that and then um you know one other big thing and again uh this is back to that theme of how one game can really stick out and you know just talking with Patch the fact that that Tennessee game still, 12 years later, sticks in his mind about Deshaun Jackson, I think really speaks to that, right? We talked about that uh, a couple weeks ago with Sean Heinlein about Carson Wentz and that Northern Iowa game. The fact that, you know, that Tennessee game still so so long ago still stands out to patch. Uh, I think that's, again, that's why we do, when we do our Saturday scouting segment, why we do our one-play takeaways. Because, look, are we going to remember every single one of these plays every single week for all these guys, you know, when we get to the draft? No, not necessarily. But – that's what happens to scouts. That's what happens to evaluators. You go on the road, you go through this whole weekend, you're at this trip, you might be watching two or three guys, you might be watching seven or eight guys, you might just be watching one, but you, that performance sticks with you. And you, whether it's good or bad, you hear it on both sides of the coin, those things stick with scouts. Remember, they are humans too. This is a, this is a uh, people selecting people business. It's a, a really interesting kind of takeaway that uh, that still sticks uh, in the minds of those evaluators. You know, weeks, months, years later, as we can see uh, over a decade later, there uh, with patch on Deshaun Jackson. So good stuff there, uh, as always from uh, Anthony Patch. Who does a great job uh, and has for a long time here in Philadelphia. Let's now get to our next segment. It's time for Saturday scouting. It's time for Saturday scouting. All right, guys, we're going to run right into this with Draft Buzz because we have got a bunch of guys to talk about with the senior ball. We're going to go speed round here. And rather than all three of us chime in on all of these guys, some of them we've talked about, uh, some of them we haven't. So I'm going to kind of bounce around with who's going to talk about who here. And we're going to start things off at the quarterback position. Uh, ben, Jamie Newman, kind of a big name here. Uh, he was announced uh, late last week right after we recorded our last show uh, that he was going to go to the senior mm-hmm. ball thoughts there on Jamie Newman going to mobile.
2: Yeah. One of the dark horse quarterbacks we were dying to see in the sec after his big season at wake forest coming over as a grad transfer, but opting out of the season, this kid was built in a QB factory. He looks six four, two thirty, 230 big arm, athletic, mobile, light on his feet. I don't know who to compare him to. He has some flashes where he looks like a cam Newton or a Josh Allen style of player. You want to see him in the sec in more of a pro style system there. You didn't get to see it. Senior Bowl is going to be a great kind of display for him. But keep in mind, he's a young kid, obviously a senior in college, but young kid that's going to have not been on the field for a calendar year. So we'll be interested to see uh, how much rhythm, you know, poise, timing, things like that he's going to bring down to a mobile Less
1: starts in his college career than Trey Lance, who we've talked about uh, in terms of not a lot of starting experience. Uh, certainly a good experience there for Jamie Newman to go down to Mobile. Uh, I'll stay at the quarterback position here. Sam Ellinger from Texas. I just watched Ellinger again last week after it was announced for him. And to me, um, I, I like him. You know, he's he's a certain kind of player. Uh, he's athletic. He's tough. I think the arm talent is there. There's just a little bit something. He's not an anticipation thrower. Uh, the the accuracy is a little bit up and down. He had some really good throws against TCU early in that game. I know they ended up losing, but uh, I think when you look at Ellinger, uh, this is a guy I think is going to stick in the league as a backup. And there, there are a lot. There's a lot to like traits wise there uh, with Ellinger. I'm excited to see him in Mobile. I'll also talk about Missouri running back Larry Roundtree the third. I, I like Roundtree. I think he's going to project the league, and he's more of a backup role, more of a number two, number three kind of guy. Really tough physical player, but he's also got a little bit of juice to him. As well, I kind of compared him to Damian Harris when he was coming out of Alabama. I view Roundtree. And I remember watching that game Missouri against Alabama. Was that uh, it? Might have been the opener uh, for the Crimson Tide. They absolutely torched uh, Missouri. The only guy that really stood out late in that game, since second half, Roundtree is still lowering his shoulder into people and finishing runs. He really showed up uh, for that game. So uh, that's my thoughts there on Larry Roundtree. I believe only the first, I think he's the first running back uh, to be announced for Mobile. Let's go to the wide receiver position here. The only receiver uh, has been announced in the last week, Dane. As we welcome in Dane Brugler, take us through UAB wide receiver Austin Watkins Jr.
3: Just a, a really good sized wide receiver, uh, and, and he kind of reminds me of Trey McBride when he was coming out of William oh, and Mary, uh, nice. you know, a couple years ago, and well, more than a couple years ago. Is now, time flies. Uh, but you know, quick hands. Uh, you know, he's the type of guy that has some yak skills to him. He can break tackles with body strength, with athleticism, uh, but very strong to the football. Love his physicality. Uh, he, he will. Uh, go up and over corners. He'll remove them from their feet as a blocker. Uh, He's he's quick, but not shifty. And so uh, eager to see how he can separate during one-on-ones down there in Mobile.
1: We've got a couple tight ends here. Ole Miss is Kenny Yeboah. We talked about him a lot so far on this show. I don't think I need to go too far into him, but a Temple transfer known more for his blocking, but has really blossomed as a pass catcher uh, for Lane Kiffin down at Ole Miss. He's had a very productive season as one of the main targets in that offense. Next up, Virginia tight end Tony Poljan, another transfer. He started his career at Central Michigan. Now he's down at UVA. Dane, take us through uh, Tony Poljan.
3: Also another former uh, high school quarterback who made the transition uh, to tight end, similar to Adam Troutman last year. Mm. Uh, it was a third round pick of the saints, uh, but a player who's a, a big athlete, impressive body control. Um, you know, he's the type of guy that uh, is the, is the target that you want. Uh he's a little bit, to do a better job of using that size to be a, a shield, to shield defenders from the ball, uh, you know, work back to the target, things like that. So, you know, he's just still new to the position, but you like the tools that you have to work with there. Uh, this is a very strong senior tight end group. Uh, the underclassmen really strong group, but not the seniors. Paul might be the most intriguing of the bunch.
1: I know nothing about Georgia's Trey McKitty. Dane. Uh, take, take us through Trey McKitty. He's also a tight end.
3: Florida State transfer, who uh, is not a high-volume target in that offense. Um, you know, but when you do see him out there, you see a flexible guy. You see uh, a very athletic player. And this is something where uh, you know, a lot of people are going, hmm, who, who's that? But uh, you, know, you see the athleticism. You, you see why he's a top recruit. You see uh, why scouts are buzzing about him. And so, uh, like I mentioned, not a strong senior tight end group. But this is a player, because he can hold his own as a blocker, because he has some untapped potential as a receiver, uh, he might be a riser uh, by the time we leave the
2: Senior Bowl. I'll tell you what, he looks the part at 6'5", 250. He's a good-looking kid. I like it. I like it.
1: So uh, let's get into the offensive line here. A couple guys. Uh, Zion Johnson, uh, he was one of my favorite guards that I studied this summer. Really athletic kid, undersized, made that f- that transfer uh, up from, I believe it was, it was Davidson, uh, mm-hmm. and then moved up uh, to the the, the f- FBS level, goes to BC, was an all-conference performer last year, came from a triple off. Um- triple option offense, so it was a little bit raw in pass pro, but he has light feet, and I'm excited to see Zion. I know that this year, from what I understand, the film hasn't been great. He's kind of bounced back and forth between tackle and guard, but I think it'll be a good experience for him down there in Mobile.
2: He's been over there at left tackle most of the season. Looked pretty good last week against Dalen Hayes, another Dame. I've compared him to Kevin Booth. I think he's going to slide in at guard at the next level.
1: That's good to know. Uh, and then another guy, Ben, I know you're really high on Deontay Brown from Alabama, uh, the offensive guard. I don't want you to dig into him here because you're going to talk about him <laughs> later here uh, in the show, but Deontay Brown uh, going from uh, University of Alabama down to Mobile. We'll stay in the SEC with our final offensive lineman here. Dane, uh, Royce Newman is a player. Actually, you're going to talk about him a little bit later in the show, so yep. we'll actually pause that conversation. But <laughs> Royce Newman uh, from Ole Miss, he is going to be going uh, to the Senior Bowl as well. Go over to the defensive side. One guy I want to break down, Boogie Basham. We talked about him on the show numerous times. One of the best pass rushers in the country. Uh, big, powerful kid. Really, you know, kind of reminds me of like a Zadarius Smith when he was coming out of Kentucky. He can win with power he can line up up and down the line of scrimmage and win high effort player good run player uh just not the, the sexy like race car turn the corner type of pass rusher but he will be down there he's
2: relentless and consistent been dominant for three straight years rushing the passer
1: no question ben i know you've studied a lot of penn state uh so far this season hasn't been great for them but you've studied uh shaka tony the other pass rusher there on the opposite side of jason Oway. uh he's going down to mobile take it tell us about uh shaka tony
2: All you need to know, I think he has the best first step in college football. He's a speed rusher through and through. He's going to give tackles all sorts of high side problems with his speed rushes flying out of that four-point stance. Variety of spin moves and counter moves off it. One of the looser, flexible edge rushers coming out in this class.
1: So I'm going to go with uh, Virginia Edge, Charles Snowden. He is listed as a defensive end. Some people will look at him as a Sam linebacker. Played all over the place in that defense over the last couple of years. Same role that Kyle Van Noy played for the same staff out at BYU. And I think you look at uh, what Charles Snowden could be. Same kind of skill set, but interesting. We'll see how he's used ultimately uh, on a daily, daily basis down there in Mobile. Same kind of player, I think, with Ellerson Smith, Northern Iowa, small school player. Ben, take us through Ellerson Smith here.
2: He's an interesting kid. He's 6'7", 255, was 190 pounds coming out of high school. So this is a guy that's completely transformed his body now that he's added, uh, you know, 50 pounds nearly. But huge year last year with 62 pressures, 11 sacks. Which was fifth most pressures in all of college football, FBS, FCS combined. He's twitchy, he's long, he's athletic. You're going to see him in the D-line group, and he's going to stand out because he is tall and he's wiry. He's got a skinny waist, long limbs. He's going to be a fun one to watch him one-on-one. Uh, He was a first-team All-State tight end coming out, if you just want to understand the athletic profile. I watched
1: him uh, I think four game, three or four games the, this past Friday, and he, he is intriguing. I mean, he's still a lot of room to grow there from a technical standpoint. I think he showed up on
2: yeah. Mel Kuyper's uh, top ten outside linebacker list this past week, so a guy that's getting buzzed by some national guys.
1: He did, no question about it. Let's uh, stay on the defensive line, go to the Big 12 here. Uh, Baylor's William Bradley King is a guy that Jim Nagy, the executive director of the Senior Bowl, uh, had talked about over the summer. Dane, uh, give us the uh, introduction. I believe he's a transfer, what was it from? Arkansas State. Arkansas State. Thank yeah. you. Well, tell us yeah.
3: about William Bradley King. Yeah, and he was really productive uh, at Arkansas State. And now with Baylor and with, with uh, Coach Aranda, he's playing that that jack position at defensive end. He's, uh, you know, good size, six four, around 250 pounds. Um, and he, he's, he's been around. You can tell. They call him the technician for the way he'll use his hands uh, and the way he works off blocks. So, um, you know, it's interesting to see him the rest of the year under Coach Aranda, to see him continue to grow and develop Uh, But he is a draftable player uh, somewhere in the mid to later rounds.
1: He's, uh had some definite power in the, some of the yeah. cuts that I watched from him over the summer at Arkansas Speed State. to power.
3: Yep. Uh, definitely has that in his uh, repertoire.
1: No question. Let's go to Oregon State pass rusher Hamako Rashid. Uh, we've talked about him on the show. We don't need to spend too much time. Long, lean, wiry pass rusher. Wins with a first step. He's got a nice inside swim move as well. Uh, can win with his athleticism and quickness. We'll see him uh, down there in Mobile. Dane, want to get your thoughts on Georgia's Malik Herring. Uh, he was announced for the Senior Bowl as well.
3: Yeah, another good-sized player, 6'3", 275 pounds, uh, Georgian native who uh, really became a starter uh, last season as a junior, and he was worked in the rotation, and you see the playing time increase more and more. And the more playing time he gets, the more comfortable he looks out there hmm. uh, with his ability to look through blockers, find the football, anticipate what the offense is trying to do. So I think he's a quality rotation player, defensive line prospect. Who uh, has a chance to get drafted? And Senior Bowl invite was, I thought, a little surprising being f- part of that first wave, hmm. but, but good for him because he could really make, uh, you know, come out of that week as, as a winner because he does have size, he does have some quickness, does have a little bit of power. And so, uh, eager to see what he could do uh, down there in Mobile.
1: Uh, at that size, a little bit of a tweener, I would say, between D, D, D defensive end and defensive tackle. You're not going to have that same question about Marvin Wilson, the, who is a D tackle through and through, um, one of the better run players uh, in this draft. I studied him a couple weeks ago, and, you know, studying in the senior film. What he's good at is really good. It's a matter of does he have enough juice to get after the quarterback, and that's something that I think we will be interesting to see down there if he's able to go because, remember, we said last week that he is out for the rest of the year with a leg injury, so hopefully uh, he'll be rehabbed enough to be able to go down there in late January. Uh, ben, let's come to you now. We'll go to the linebacker position. Uh, a couple of guys here I want to hit you on. Houston's Grant Stewart and then Florida's Jeremiah Moon. I know you've done both players.
2: Yeah, Grant Stewart's a fun player. He's in the middle of that Houston defense, wearing number zero with the big C on his chest for the captain, long curly hair coming out the back. This guy showed up as a safety prospect, though. He's 190 pounds coming out of high school, has since bulked up to 6'1", 225. Really athletic linebacker in the middle of the defense. Swift movement patterns. He could glide and scrape on the second level and mirror running backs. He's explosive. He's smooth. He's tough when he arrives. Watch him against Cincinnati last week or two weeks ago. Huge hits on ball carriers at Alabama transfer Got a couple face full of tackles. Really fun spark plug linebacker that seems to be what everybody wants at the next level. Guys with good enough size at 220, 225, but you got to be able to run. You got to be tough. Doesn't have a whole lot of bulk to him, but that allows him to be twitchy in his movement patterns.
1: Uh, let's go to the, the the cornerback spot. We got a couple small school guys we're going to hit on. Uh, uh, Dane, take us through Robert Rochelle here from Central Arkansas.
3: Yeah, I'm really good. He's really glad he's going to be down there uh, in, in Mobile because he, he's a tough guy to figure out. You, you see the athleticism. I mean, his foot quickness uh, to pattern match from press is really impressive, uh, but the technique is all over the place. Uh, and he's a very lean framed player. Uh, he was a 160 pound wide receiver uh, in high school, uh, makes the move full time to defense uh bulks up a little bit uh but there's still some questions there about his discipline about his just basic fundamentals at the position so how is he going to be able to hold up one-on-one against the wide receivers that are going to be uh at the senior bowl that's gonna be a lot of fun Mm -hmm. to watch and uh rochelle is going to be put uh, under a microscope that week no question ben let's go go to you now another
1: small school guy nc central's brian mills Uh, what are your thoughts there
2: This is a fun, feisty press corner. He's 6'2", 170, so he's tall, he's long, he's skinny. Interesting background, though. One JUCO school to another JUCO school, one year at NC Central, and declared for the draft before the season as their season kind of dwindled away. But last year, he was first-team all MIAC with eight PBUs, five interceptions. He flashes some Greedy Williams-like plays and press coverage. He's tall. He's long. You see the limbs just like Greedy Williams. Remember Jonathan Banks, I think, came out of Mississippi Mm. State maybe six, seven years ago. Another tall, long type of corner. This guy's got tools. I'm really excited to see him in one-on-ones. And, you know, Juco, Juco, NC Central, you typically want a little stronger background heading to the Senior Bowl but this kid's got tools and Jim Nagy said a bunch of scouts have been calling about him trying to get these types of kids down there to get their eyes on them and really start vetting. Hey, are these, you know, high, high draft capital style players.
1: Yeah. We talked last week about the small school guys. I feel like there's going to be more small school players at at the senior bowl than we normally see. Uh, Dane, take us out with a cornerback here. Penn state's Tariq Castro fields.
3: You love the height length, uh, the foot quickness. He's a very springy athlete. Uh, but at the same time, you watch him as film, some of his film from last year and offenses did not hesitate throwing at him, uh, that you watch a Minnesota tape and Rashad Bateman, uh, just takes him to school a few times and you, you would think he's undraftable based off that tape alone. But when you really look at the traits, uh, you know, his length, his foot quickness, uh, that's what you, that, those are the base, uh, you know, things you want to really focus on and see, okay, can you build it up from here? And so the senior bowl will be big to see how he takes coaching to see if he improves throughout the week. Uh, because he has talent it's just a matter of kind of putting it all together and being more of a a finished product
2: he plays a lot of off coverage he reminded me a little bit of kevin johnson coming out of was it wake Wake five six years ago he'll come up and run support and hit you occasionally a little clunky in his transitions and you know breaking down getting in out of breaks but kid with a lot of experience and he's got a a tough knack he could probably hang on special teams to survive
1: Let's talk about some nickels and safeties to round us out. I'll take these first two Carry Vincent from LSU we've talked about he'd opted mm-hmm. out uh, in the in the summer played some nickel, played some safety, uh, undersized kid, track athlete, uh, not completely a finished product, but this will be a good experience for him going down to Mobile, good exchange, or good chance to kind of show his wares down there uh, after not playing this year. And then Aaron Robinson from UCF, you get a lot of buzz about. I'm not going to talk about him yet because he's actually going to be a guy I'm going to feature a little bit later here on the show, so I'll give you my thoughts on Aaron Robinson. But his teammate, Richie Grant, is also going to be. He's going to be a free safety uh, down there in Mobile. Ben, uh, take us out here on Richie Grant.
2: Well, he's a fun player. Six foot, 194 senior, massive 2018. His first team all conference over a hundred tackles, six picks, bunch of forced fumbles playing that single high safety role, bit of a down year in 2019. But Fran, we watched some of him last week. He likes to hit. He wants to thump, bit reckless at times. Sometimes you're going to miss some tackles. You're going to miss some plays in the alley, but when he hits, Oof, those ball carriers go backwards. He's going to play in the box, a little dime linebacker as well. He's a tough kid at six foot, 194. So I like his special teams value and maybe sneaking in in a sub package.
1: Weird comp. He kind of reminds me of Jamee Thomas when he was coming out of uh, Georgia Ooh. Tech, Dane. Uh, he was a <laughs> sixth round pick, I think, of the Patriots. Uh, take us out of your la- our last one. It actually was announced right before we went to air Missouri safety Tyree Gillespie. Dane, I know you did Gillespie a couple weeks ago.
3: Yeah, I threw on the Alabama tape and the first 10 plays, you look at Gillespie and say, "Okay, uh, this guy's a first round pick, right? Uh, I mean, he was just flashing all over the place. You see the range, you see the toughness. Um, You know, the rest of the film wasn't necessarily bad, maybe not as uh, weren't as many highlights per se. But this is still a player that uh, I think has a chance to be one of the top three senior safety's drafted. He has that type of skill set.
2: He's a hunter down in the alleys. He makes a lot of plays out there in that perimeter, receiver action and running back perimeter runs.
1: He uh, This is a guy that has really gotten a lot of buzz over the summer and leading into the season. I'm excited to dig into his film. Guys, we covered a ton of players there uh, for the senior ball. Now let's put that to the side. Let's talk about this past weekend in college football. We can kind of expand our thoughts a little bit here, and we'll start uh, with our game balls. We had a, a bunch of games canceled this weekend, which was tough. Obviously, um, a bunch in the SEC, uh, out west as well, Midwest, all over the country. Um, but we got we had some big ones still. Dane, uh, kick us off with a big one from the ACC. You and I both watched this game, uh, Virginia Tech and Miami. Well,
3: as the uh, president of the Christian Derrissau, uh fan club, I wanted to pay close attention to see how he would hold up against uh, Miami and their defensive ends and saw left tackle uh, going up against Quincy Roche, at right defensive end. Uh, I think it pretty much went how we expected. saw erased uh, Roche, uh, dominated the point of attack. Uh, really it was, it was a non-factor in the run game when they faced off and uh, Roche's cornering speed. It just, it wasn't enough to get past Derrissaw's outside shoulder. So uh, I thought it was a dominant performance and honestly, Like I said, I think it was expected. Derisaw is number 20 on my overall draft board, where Roche, he's not even a locked top 100 100 pick. So, um, you know, I I love the energy. I love the straight-line speed from Roche. I think he's a make-it guy. He'll be a pro for a long time. But I I thought his limitations were really clear when going up against Derisaw. Uh, But uh, this is kind of a uh, co-game ball for me because while I thought Roche struggled – Uh, His teammate, Jalen Phillips, just feasted against uh, the right tackle for Virginia Tech. Uh, Phillips finished with eight tackles, four and a half for loss, two and a half sacks. Just a very smooth athlete, physical hands. He can battle through blocks. Stylistically, he's similar to Bosa. Uh, Not quite as explosive or polished. Uh, So he's, you know, a lesser version of the Bosa's. But you see the movements and the ability to win with their hands. It really stands out. Uh, now he's not as easy of an evaluation because I said he's not quite at that level. Plus, you factor in his injury the history. Medical, yep. Yeah, that's going to be a big part of this. But I mean, we go back. He was literally the number one recruit in the country coming out of high school. Literally number one uh, in uh, 2000, what, 2017 class. So he's a future pro. It's just trying to figure it all out. Where he, you know what's his appropriate draft grade. Uh, you know, what's his ceiling, these things we still have to figure out, but, uh, that, that game against Virginia tech is certainly one that, uh, teams will be buzzing about when they watch the tape.
2: Hey, Dan, I actually buzzed through that tape yesterday just to see the derrishaw Rocher matchup. I had Roche touching the quarterback once, and it took about two counter moves, and the quarterback climbed up for about four or five seconds, and he just got him as he uh, released the ball. But Jalen Phillips, a guy that was highly coveted out of high school, go watch his camp series in senior high school. You can watch him in shorts and a T-shirt go up against Jedrick Wills, Alex Weatherwood, Cesar Ruiz, some of the who's who of college football and now the NFL. He's, he's a little undersized, he's a little wiry, but ooh, he looked the part against some of the top offensive linemen coming out of high school.
1: I thought for sure you were going to say that Jalen Phillips was in QB1. Like, I just thought well, for sure. it's funny you should bring up the saying. Netflix documentary
2: series QB1. No, I'm just kidding.
1: All right, so that their Virginia Tech-Miami game was a fun one to watch. Virginia Tech had the lead for a good chunk of that game. Miami marches back. De'Ara King uh, leads them to victory. That was not the highlight of the ACC weekend, though, if you like offensive football, because the North Carolina-Wake Forest game was – I mean, they're they're still scoring touchdowns uh, down there in North Carolina with that one. Uh, Ben, take us through your game ball uh, from this game.
2: Well, it's going to be on the offensive side of the ball, certainly. Yeah. I don't know if any defenders showed up. I would have loved to profile our buddy Chaz Surratt. But North Carolina, they're just one of my darlings. They're 6-2 and two this year, 742 yards on offense, 59 points. They snuck out with the win in that kind of barn burner against Wake Forest. I'm hoping for this showdown North Carolina and Notre Dame, which seems like it's going to end up in the ACC. But wide receivers, Diami Brown and Daz Newsome. They're running the ball really well in North Carolina this year. It was uh, Sam Howell's team last year. It seemed to be running it well, but he was chucking it yesterday. Deami Brown, 8 of 10, 163, two touchdowns. Daz Newsom. 10 of 10, 189, two touchdowns, throwing the ball all over the yard, tons of yards after catch, fun, fun receivers. And they find matchups in the slot occasionally. I think I saw Daz Newsom score a 60-yard touchdown with the big 47 linebacker running after him. So they find ways to isolate some matchups around the field, and they love throwing the ball down the field with Sam Howell, particularly off play action. So it's a really fun offense with those running backs back there, the receivers. It's a good group.
1: Not a lot of defense in that game. Not a lot of defense in the game that I watched uh, as well with Ole Miss and South Carolina. I was really tuned in because I picked them, uh, South Carolina, that being uh, to be my upset special last week with Ross here on the show. Uh, Ole Miss comes out with the win, and one big reason for that, there were a couple of receivers that really stood out. But Elijah Moore, 13 catches, 225 yards, two scores, throws on another 45 yards rushing. They gave it to him in the backfield. Uh, He had some jet sweeps as well. But he had a touchdown off of uh, one of our favorite plays, uh, Ben. He got a touchdown off Jello, and then out when he was lined up in the backfield around a vertical route, and then another one where he was wide open off a of slugger, where they, the whole there was nobody around him. You could, it's funny you watch on TV. They did a great job of singling this out uh, on the broadcast. Uh, Lane Kiffin chucked his play chart like 40 (laughs) yards into the air after the play because he was that wide open, Elijah Moore. You had posted a couple shots of Moore uh, getting separation as well against those South Carolina corners. Uh, Nobody could stop anybody in that game, but Elijah Moore – Flat out, unstoppable uh, for the South Carolina. Well, Fran, I
2: just watched his touches. I just wanted to see how they used them and how he generated this nearly 300 yards of offense. And one of his last couple touches, all of a sudden it's J.C. Horn up against him in the slot. It's almost like they said, okay, okay, enough's enough. Let's put our big press corner on him. What happened on third down? Slow played him off the line and beat him for a slant, broke his tackle for another 10 yards. So they put the big bad press corner on him to shut him down. And he beat him too. Now the slant took about five seconds to get off the line of scrimmage. Uh, it was took way too long, but it was a patient slant, as I like to
1: say. <laughs> <laughs> he's a certain kind of player. Like he's not going to be for everybody, but man, he is. He is explosive. He is well, dynamic. Uh, friend, sure.
3: l- let me let me put you on the spot here: uh, Kadarius Toney or Elijah Moore? If you could only have one, they kind of both a little bit, a little bit gadgety players. Uh, but you could only have one of them. Who are you taking?
1: <sighs> I think I'm probably leaning Tony at this point, but I, I, you could probably convince. Ask me the same question a week from now, and I might say more. Like, I, I they're they're both uh, in the same tier for me. Tony sharper,
2: man. Tony, Tony. Snaps in and out of breaks. He is churning sure. up. Dirt Dude,
1: that one touchdown break. against Missouri a couple weeks ago, like, I can't get that one out of my head. Like, he's the like,
2: guy. He just, stomps just his out. routes. I know we watched yeah. Elijah Moore and left a little bit to be desired in his route running from time to time. Tony is very polished.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Tony's, Tony's probably also got more red flags off the field, too. So right. it's just, it, it's it's a definitely an interesting conversation because these guys are more, again, part, you know, more gadgety than, than
2: your polished. Reverse. So it makes for an interesting debate. I don't want them to have no flags off the field. Out, you know?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Need a couple of flags. Well, one guy was speaking of flags. Uh, the guy that for my one play takeaway drew a flag on this one. And that's uh, from that same game from the Ole Miss, South Carolina game, opening drive. Shy Smith makes a sick one handed touchdown back shoulder fade uh, Threw it from the slot draws a flag for taking his helmet off in the celebration and kind of staring into the crowd. But uh, the play itself was outstanding. And, you, you know, uh, Dane, you and I have talked about Shy Smith off, off air as well. Uh, he's really tough. He's got great hands. I'd like to see him be a little bit more crisp with everything that he does, um, you know, leading up to the catch point. But uh, no doubting uh, this guy's ability to make some highlight grabs. And that one stands out. That'll be uh, for sure on all of his highlight reels.
3: Yeah, Shai Smith is just—it's he's, he's fun to watch because he's—he's—he's he's, he's a little unpredictable, a little bit of a loose cannon with you know what he's going to do out there, and that makes him inconsistent. But uh, the highlights are are what you like—the you know, play strength, the toughness. Um, yeah, he's that that play, that one-handed catch is mm-hmm. the kind of the perfect one-play takeaway because it it shows Shai Smith at his best.
1: No question. Uh, Dane, take, take us through. Who's uh, your one-play takeaway here?
3: Uh, it's very similar, kind of, uh, the the one-play. Ben Skoranek, uh, he, he's really come up big for Notre Dame this year, uh, specifically the last few weeks, and it happened again on Saturday against BC. He had three touchdowns. All three scores were impressive because they showed off his ability to uh, kind of power through coverage, come down with the catch. The first touchdown, though, that's what I want to talk about, Uh, It came in the late first quarter. Ian Book basically throws a jump ball to the corner of the end zone and the BC corner had his back to the play. So Skoranek reaches around the defender and somehow comes down with it. Uh, Plus they call it a PI and a defender. Plus, Skoranek got a PI for kind of doing a little flex uh, towards the the corner afterwards. But uh, the concentration, the length to make a play like that are so impressive. And, you know, I have to give Ian Book credit for the way he's matured this Mm. season. Uh, But, you know, he's given his targets a chance to make plays. And that's allowed a guy like Skoranek, who's a grad transfer from Northwestern, new to the program, uh, it's given him a chance to really emerge a, as a legitimate weapon for the Irish, uh, that the leaping skills, the strong hands, uh, those make 50 50 catches uh, look pretty easy, so uh, you know Scaronic could be one of these late risers this season with the way uh, you know he's taken this opportunity and run with it.
1: Do you think he's a tight, a tight end or you think he's a receiver at the next level? Not to have the same chase Claypool conversation and we, <laughs> uh, uh, but Skoranek, uh, you know, I'm interested to get your thoughts there.
3: I think he's a specialized uh, wide receiver who is his leaping ability and his ability to come down with those contested catches, uh, the focus that he shows. Uh, I mean, I think that's, he's just a little specialized with what he can do. Now, if you want to stick him in a slot and call him a big slot, you know, I think he can do that because of what he can give you as a blocker and, and different things. So uh, he, he's really interesting. I would not be shocked at all. And, and Jim Nagy actually uh, tweeted about him Saturday night. Uh this is the type of player you'd like to see at an all-star game to see how he does in different situations To maybe, okay, you know, maybe he could do a little bit more than uh, just what we've seen on film. Ben, who's
2: yours? What your one play takeaway here? All right. So I'm going to go a little unique this week. And I just want to give a little attention to the Kentucky Wildcats. They lost their offensive line coach last week with a long battle to cancer uh, coach John uh, Schallerman. And they came out with the first play of the game without a left guard in honor of him. And I actually think that's a really nice tribute. And my opportunity to say those four other offensive linemen that were on the field on that play are all going to be drafted this spring. And that's left tackle Landon Young, center Drake Jackson, right guard Luke Fortner, and right tackle Darian Kennard. The first three are seniors, only Kennard's a junior, but he actually might have the most upside of the group. Yeah, I did Kinnard, yeah. a Bit of a limb right now, but really, really good offensive line on a week-to-week basis. Watch them against any SEC front seven, and they can hold their own against any SEC front seven. Great in the screen game as well. It's a bit rich to say all four, but I really like this group, and I love what they did to honor the offensive line coach by not going out with their left guard last week for the first play.
3: No, I like you being assertive. You want to say all four are getting drafted? All four are getting yeah, drafted? Yeah, let's go with it. Yeah, no, no, that. I, I don't know if all four are getting drafted, but I do know that Darren Kennard is going to start in the league for a long time. All right, there He's, we go. There we
2: go. That's the type of conviction I like to hear.
3: And I, I think Drake, ja- Drake Jackson, I think, will be a starter too. I think, yeah, he's a technician. Uh, high football IQ, you can tell. He, he does a great job with his, with angles. Um, uh, you know, I, I do question, it, does he have the point of point of attack power to hold up against NFL linemen? But, yeah, I, I do agree with you. I think he could start. Uh, I've just been so impressed with uh, with with Kennard. Uh, I think he's just a bully out there. I, he's, a, he's a guard for me. Uh, he's got some sloppy tendencies, but if you can reel him in a little bit, he's going to be a big-time player. There's a lot
2: of tackles out there in college football. I know you said he might project to be a guard, but just a guy that's not getting a lot of national love. And just the more you dig and dig around college football, there's a lot of tackle prospects and not a minute too soon because the NFL needs them.
1: Alright, let's go uh, down the road here because Canard a uh, junior, but let's talk about some guys that uh, are not necessarily eligible here for 2021. Ben, we'll kick us off here. Who's your down-the-road freak show from this weekend?
2: A couple I want to talk about. Drake Jackson's a really exciting sophomore, edge rusher out there in the Pac-12. He had yep. two sacks against Arizona. Really like uh, Justin Shorter, who's now down there at Florida, former number one receiver in the class. I think 2018, so technically he's a redshirt sophomore since transferring from Penn State. Actually gave Akuda some trouble last year on tape. Now, now, now down at Florida had a really nice high point touchdown uh, in their win uh, over the weekend. But Indiana corner, Taewon Mullen, and that's brother of Trayvon Mullen. His first career interception, beautiful pick. I put the play up uh, on Twitter, I think yesterday or Sunday. He peeled off his man and kind of worked back around and stole the ball off the of number one. But really, really exciting player. <clears throat> a player that the University of Indiana has never had in their football program. This kid is special. And when I said, I talked to one of my buddies who follows a team and covers some Indiana athletics and whatnot, I said, I hope he could stay there throughout his career. And he said, oh, no, no, no. Mullen is different. He showed up on his recruiting visit with a a pad and pen and started writing down when was the last time they had a winning season? When was the last time they won a bowl game? Started writing down all these, when was the last for Indiana? Because he was going to change the culture. And you just love hearing that from a young kid on his recruiting visit from coconut Creek, Florida, going up to in the university of Indiana, not usually the most, you know, hotbed place for five stars out of Florida, but got his first career interception and a name we'll be talking about down the road for sure. That's
1: that. I love that story. You've told that on the, on the podcast before. And I love that. I think that's a, an anecdote, honestly, that NFL teams uh, will love about Mullen as well. Uh, moving forward. I'm going to, I'm going to stay out West. You mentioned Drake Jackson. The guy that stood out to me for USC was Keaton Slovis. You know, the true sophomore quarterback uh, led them on that game-winning drive down 23-20 to 20, uh, late in the game. I thought Slovis looked really good from the pocket. Uh, my my question is this about Slovis. So, we're gonna, I haven't done my deep dive on him. Um, you know, we'll, we'll obviously talk a lot about him over the course of the next uh, 18 months. But, Ben, you've you've done Slovis. I think you were there for – was it his first start uh, last year?
2: Yeah, against BYU. Yep. Do, do
1: you think that he's – Athletic enough because we talk about the need for athleticism at the quarterback position to be a starter. Do you feel that he's got that level of athleticism that teams are looking for? Or do you think he's just a step below and is more, uh, you know, on the you know on the wrong side of that equation?
2: He has good size and he has good athleticism. What blew me away as a true freshman last year was his confidence and poise and decision making in the pocket, the ability to go through progressions quickly. It was something you don't typically see from true freshmen stepping in or thrusted into the lineup on the drop of a hat. Normally those of the kids that have to run around and make some things happen with their legs for the lack of that knowledge and processing. I thought he showed right up and was able to throw the ball down the field to Michael Pittman and St. Brown. Jess, unfortunately, got his head rattled by Lucky Photo. I think that yep. next game uh, and really was never the same for the season. But Dude, Fotu
1: wrecked him on that uh, play. He, like he,
2: he crushed him into the ground. Yeah, I think yeah. he left an imprint on the field out there, but um, he's got a lot of tools and some guys that have thrown around some very, very uh, interesting projections about him for maybe the next draft or two. Yeah.
1: He, he, he stood out to me. I thought uh, in that game, uh, let's go now to our next one. Dane uh, wrap us up. I know you've got another guy from the West coast.
3: Yeah. Stay in the pack. 12 uh, Oregon pass rusher, Kayvon Thibodeau. Thibodeau. Uh, he's a, a one percenter, uh, you know, one of the very few who could go to the NFL right now and probably start. Uh, he, he's that good. 65 wow. 250 I, I find myself saying uh, a lot of the same things about him as we did back when, Judevion Clowney was a freshman and sophomore at South Carolina. Athletic frame, long, explosive. Uh, Washington State just had a tough time blocking him on Saturday. And I, I know I'm not going out on a limb here because this is a big-time recruit. And, you know, we saw it last year as a freshman. But I think it's important to, sh- to say that he is living up to the hype so far.
0: Hmm. Well, let's just go now. throw
2: this out there to you two really fast. Just 30 yeah, seconds. Yeah. Let's say there is another five-star, number one in the country, shows up freshman year, looks the part, productive – has he shown enough? Do you still need to refine your game on the field? Or is it like a, I flashed a potential, like maybe a, a high school senior going to the NBA. I showed you enough. Now, you know, project me based on my potential and what I showed you. Does he have anything else to gain at this point?
1: That's I don't think that's going to happen now. But the, the we talked about this was a few weeks ago here on the show with the, the cases of the 1%, as Dane brought up, right? You, you know, you look at um, Jamar Chase, and you look at some of these other guys that have opted out, Micah Parsons, right? Who came out basically as one-year starters, but were consent, Penny Sewell as the guys that are the 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 cream of the crop. Once that once that can is open, I don't know that you can close it. I wonder if next year, hopefully, knock on wood, uh, you know, COVID nineteen is behind us at that point. Is a guy like Kayvon Thibodeau? Does he decide that he's going to opt out and he's not going to play his his junior year and he's going to declare like? If the the precedent has been set by some of these other elite players and and it didn't impact them, obviously it's a a complete different set of circumstances, but I kind of wonder how that's going to impact guys. And I'm not saying to
2: go be a complete bum on campus, you know, be a part of the team, work out, finish your degree, maybe go do an externship somewhere. There's positive things to do away from the field. You know, just just kind of just absorbing the whole, you know, conversation and climate right now of COVID, guys opting out early, declaring for the draft early. Just an interesting thought. It is an interesting thought because
3: I think it will happen eventually. And yeah. it's going to be interesting because what happens when that player maybe uh, does not do so hot as a, as a rookie in the NFL. And, you know, I think these things are cyclical. We see how they, how it plays out, but you know, what if he goes uh, to the league and then has a rookie of the year, you know, then we might see a few more, Makes but is, yeah. it, is chase young. Uh, the chase young we know right now is a rookie. If, if not for that final junior season at Ohio State, I, I mean, there's just no way of knowing. He no. was already the number one player in the country, uh, the number one prospect, uh, if he wanted to sit out the full season. But the NFL is such a detailed, technically proficient league. And at certain positions, you really need to get as much experience as possible. So uh, it, it is an interesting thought that I, I think will happen at some point.
1: And Nick Bosa essentially did that the year before. I mean, he, he got hurt early. It was well, not a season-ending yeah. injury, but they basically said, like, yeah, he's not coming back. He's going to rehab, and then he's going to start training. Um, but, but he's kind of a unicorn in how technically proficient he was coming out of Ohio State. It's, it's a, a really interesting discussion that uh, we could continue having for a long time. We've got a, a few more guys that we want to hit on here, though, guys. We're going to talk about our film room recap, a guy that we studied over the last week that has caught our eye Ben. I'll let you kick things off for us here on this one.
2: Well, as we were talking last week, Mel Kuyper put out his rankings, uh, and there was a tight end on there that I hadn't seen, heard of, watched, and that was James Mitchell out of Virginia Tech. Showed up as number tight end, number three on this top ten list. 6'3", 242. Really interesting athletic tight end option. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you who he reminds me of. He's a mix of kind of a Charles Clay and a Delaney Walker, in my opinion. Now, Charles Clay was kind of a hybrid fullback coming out of Tulsa. Delaney Walker, a guy that's really good in line toughness. I could also catch the ball out in space. But this guy was used in the pass game, big box fades, a lot of pop passes, screen opportunities, run after catch opportunities in the flat. They even gave him a jet sweep on a two-point conversion. You could see the vertical burst from the slot. When I just watched his touches, Fran, I thought this was going to be like a Gerald Everett style of player. Then I watched him from a down-to-down basis, and he's in line 60% of the time and really mixing it up and blocking. I was really impressed with his effort, his intensity. He pops with his hands, really good tight punch. He runs his feet. He looks to finish defenders. Never seems like he's overwhelmed at the point of attack. He got laid a couple times last week against Quincy Rocher. as was trying to watch Roche and Derisaw battle each other. But he has some impressive blocks where he's reaching a five-tech lined up inside of him, maybe on the backside of a zone stretch. Really, really impressed with his overall film. Um, The combination of yak, the speed vertically in the pass game, the hands, the ability to track it. I think I showed you a play where he caught a tip ball that was underthrown to him and kind of one-handed it. Really impressive player. So I got a mix of like Gerald Everett at first in the pass game, but with his blocking, especially in line against tight ends, I see that Delaney Walker or Charles Clay style Mm -hmm. player at 6'3", 242, four-time all-state tight end in high school so this is a guy that was on the field immediately in high school and performing really impressive player that I never heard of he was a pleasant watch
3: did did you think that he was I'm assuming that Pitts was one Friar was two yes Uh, correct and so did you really think he was number three I mean over because I really like this underclassmen group of tight ends it's a really competitive group when you talk about Brevin Jordan Hunter Long Uh, You know, Tommy Tremble, Jake Ferguson, uh, Charlie Kohler. There's a lot of underclassmen tight ends. Did you think that ranking was right, you know, right where he should be a little early? Uh, What'd you think?
2: I thought that was a little rich in my opinion. I, I have some guys like Brevin Jordan ahead of him at the moment, Charlie Kohler. I even think maybe a guy like a Matt Bushman may be a, a, a better prospect in the NFL at the next level. There's some guys like Jake Ferguson and Tony Poljan. Tommy Tremble's is a really good blocker. It's an interesting tight end group in my opinion this year. I think it's all over the place. Guys like Hunter Long and Kenny Yaboa still kind of working their way in. It's all over the place in my opinion. To see James Mitchell as tight end three – I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. I never heard of him. Not like, oh, I didn't watch him yet. I never heard of him. He wasn't even in my database sheet. So for a guy that I've never heard of to be tight end three, some other tight ends I really value. I think it's a deep group. It's a very diverse group. Um, I think three is a little strong, but we'll probably end up in the top 10 when it's all said and done.
1: So uh, that's take takeaway from Mitchell. I, I, I want to move on to here to the next guy. And I, I mentioned him a little bit earlier. It was Aaron Robinson, uh, who's going to the Senior Bowl. Uh, I had heard a little bit of buzz about him, and you know we, we've had a couple of guests on in the last few weeks that have brought him up. Alabama transfer, started his career at the Crimson Tide, uh, played on special teams as a true freshman, went to UCF a little bit closer to home. He's from Deerfield Beach, Florida. Six one, one 193, all right, so good size, but he plays primarily in the slot in their sub package. Now in the games that I watched, I watched a couple games from this year. He did play outside due to an injury. um, So he he's got some of that inside out versatility. This kid is toolsy. He moves really, really well. He's got long speed. He gets in and out of cuts really well, just a really smooth, fluid athlete with enough speed to carry vertically. He's also really aggressive. Like, he gets after people in press coverage. Um, just a really aggressive player. Ben, you and I, late last week on the show, we did our Under the Hood, and we talked about what are the traits we look for in press man corners. The big things that we you and I both kind of agreed on. We talked about size, aggressiveness, speed, route recognition skills, and ball skills. So just real quickly, he has the size, he's got the competitiveness, he's got the athleticism. The things that I wanted to see, I didn't see great. I didn't see bad, but I didn't see great route recognition skills from man to uh, in man to man. I thought he was just a, a tad slow to react to route breaks uh, throughout the route, and then also just the, from a ball skills standpoint, he's he's made some plays. I mean, he had he had a pick last year. Uh, he had he's had a bunch of PBUs throughout his career, but he's not a guy that I've just seen a lot of examples of him playing the ball in the air. So that's a little bit of a question. But for me. I look at him. I'm like, man, like he's got traits that if I wanted to play him outside in a press man scheme, I think he could do it. Now, most of his tape is going to be in the nickel, so I think you're going to project him well to the slot. I was really intrigued by this guy, and I think he's got definitely, definite, definite, definite. NFL starter tools. I I think he can be. Even if you're looking like at an Eli Apple, like Quentin Dunbar, like maybe not. He's like he's not a shutdown corner on the outside, but he's got that's going to play. And with his skill set, has the ability to be a shutdown guy on any given game. He's just a little bit up and down uh, with his play. I'm excited to do more on Aaron Robinson. I'm excited to see him in Mobile. I liked him. Ben, you watched a good chunk of that film with me. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, and I know you mm-hmm. saw a lot of things you liked as well. <clears throat> well, you made me watch the Memphis game. He played 114 snaps on defense. Sorry, I to tell you. Yeah, this guy <laughs> that never comes off the field. But two things. You see a, a tall, long, broad corner. You see the limbs just dangling off him. And the speed. Not only the, the speed just to turn and run, the recovery speed, the feistiness, the special teams. I moved him right above a player that I really liked in Mark Webb down at Georgia. I think a similar type of middle of the field, kind of a pesky press nickel player with good size, special teams value that, you know, Mark Webb, we compared to like a Ibrahim Campbell or a Corey Graham. Yep. But I think uh, Aaron Robinson's ability to play press man and turn and run while still being physical and that aggressive, you know, in run support and getting off blocks and the perimeter action. He's a really fun player. I'm impressed. Yeah, I think
3: we, we're seeing why he was so highly recruited. I mean, yeah. he, mm-hmm. he came down to Alabama and Florida for him. Uh, and he goes to Alabama before transferring. So I uh, yeah, the traits I, I don't think are the question at all because he definitely has the traits. I think he played with
2: uh Jerry Judy in high school over at uh Deerfield Beach.
1: We put mm-hmm. uh, we to, I kind of put him in the same bucket as like an Elijah Molden. And if he if uh, if Elijah Molden had Aaron Robinson's tools, top five, <laughs> oh. like top five pick, top seven pick, <laughs> right? I mean, that, that, that guy is like the one of the best players uh in the country. Um but, well, well Fran,
2: really quick on a guy like this that can play inside, outside special teams, does it become just a safe? for pick to you when you're you're kind of putting him in the pecking order or maybe making a decision on draft day do you want a guy that specializes in one thing? We know what he does. He does it well. Or that kind of ball of clay that's just a good football player.
1: And it's without knowing any of the off-field. Like, I don't know anything about Aaron Robinson off the field and medical and stuff like that. But just based purely off the film, absolutely. Because you know, at, at his floor, I know I can, all right, I can count on him to come in and play nickel because he's done it before. We talked about that earlier on the show that you know, if a guy's done it, it gives you a little bit more confidence that he can do it moving forward. Nickel's just – it's not like, oh, yeah, just slide him inside and he'll be okay. I'd like to see a guy that's got that experience that's got the, you know, the pelts on the wall doing it. Robinson has done it. So uh, the, yeah, that absolutely gives me a little bit of uh, a little bit more confidence in the projection. Um, it's a good question there to wrap it up, but before we uh, wrap the segment up, Dane, I know you've got another senior bowl guy. We talked about Royce Newman earlier, the Ole Miss uh, offensive lineman.
3: Yeah. His name came up a few weeks ago uh, when I was chatting with, with a scout uh, as a player that's kind of on the rise. And I sat down, checked him out I was pretty impressed. Uh, He rode the bench for a while at Ole Miss, uh, became a starting guard last year, then moved out to right tackle this season. Uh, He's got a loose lower body where he can fly out of a stance, uh, play alert, uh, stay on the balls of his feet, uh, quick to set up, cut off edge speed without overextending himself. He's got tight hands to stay within defenders. Uh, And you can tell he's got shorter arms that, that does show. And, you know, there, I think there will be a debate about whether he's a guard or a tackle as a prospect, but I think the versatility to play either uh, that that's going to be a a valuable piece to the Newman, uh, you know, report Uh, something that's going to be a selling point Uh, He's not an overwhelming power guy, but he works hard to stay square to his target. And I think that versatility is going to make him an immediate depth piece in the NFL.
2: Yeah, it's did you guys uh, see the uh, the video of Lane giving him the announcement.
3: I did. Yeah, he's no, talking, have... he talking to
2: reporters, and yeah. Lane just kind of comes in very casually, nonchalant, senior bowl, and just kind of throws <laughs> the invite at him, like like almost like a teacher giving back like an edited paper, like here, take it. Oh. <laughs> very very Lane Kiffin Right.
1: <laughs> I want this on my desk Monday morning. It's kind right, of like, exactly the vibe I <laughs> got from it. Uh, well, guys, we've got we've talked about a ton of players, but as I always say, we've got three more to hit on. Let's get now into our on the clock.
2: On the Clock.
1: All right, well, let's get things going here on On the Clock. And not that we're keeping score or anything, but I am ahead by a score of 4-3-3. to three to three. Uh, I took the lead last week in the rubber match, uh, all three of us. It's a, it's a tight one here as we welcome in Chris McPherson, C-Mac. Uh, how are you feeling right now? What, what are we, week 11 here uh, in the NFL season, getting ready for, I believe, week 12, is it, in college football?
4: Feeling great. Um, you know, you're feeling a little cocky going into this week i gotta city. bring a little bit
1: of, i gotta bring a little bit of juice yeah we gotta, we gotta it's, I mean, late, it's late like, in the podcast we've talked about like 90 players already today what's three more
4: I mean, seriously, you know, Danes, had, had you know, he's had his complaints about going third in the past. You're now claiming how you're, you know, got the lead all of a sudden. After it's just all game.
1: facts. I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm not making anything up. I'm ahead yep. by one. We're going to uh, look, you're only as good as your next one. And I, I got to win this uh, this debate here. So That's win it. me over. Win That's me it. over. Let's do this. All right. Well, this is going to be a fun one. And I'm sitting around every week and I'm always trying to change things up. And this week I was like, all right, let's talk about some offensive linemen. And to me, the question is, and well, Ben, you will kick things off for us this week. Which offensive lineman are you running behind on third and goal? So, obviously, we're prioritizing those road graders, uh, the guy that's going to get some movement. We want the, the go-to offensive lineman that we are running behind on third and goal. Ben, you'll have first pick. I've got second. Dane will round us out. Ben, I'll, uh, I'll let you kick things off for us.
2: Well, I'm going to go with one of the biggest, baddest interior linemen in the country. When Fran posed this question to me, my brain went right to the answer. And this wasn't a hard choice for me. And that's big left guard Deontay Brown of the Alabama Crimson Tide, C-Mac. He's four, just a shade under 340. He's actually trimmed down quite a bit. Listen, he's not an athletic interior lineman. He's not great in pass protection, but this guy is an absolute people mover in the run game. He's ability to control, steer torque with his strength. He plays in his space. He's that phone booth type of player. Doesn't reach, doesn't ever overextend or get off balance. Watched the tape last year against top 10 pick Derek Brown of Auburn. He's about the only one that was able to keep him in check, particularly in the run game, really blowing him off the ball a good yard, two yards off the ball. And this year, he's moved over to the left side, working a lot with Alex Leatherwood at left tackle. Anytime Alabama needs the go-to play, that big conversion, or maybe to get a good first down chunk you know, to start a drive, they're running off the left-hand side. And that's, there's no no bones about it, running right behind that big left guard. So Deontay Brown, I thought, was an easy choice for me. And a good projection is the way Michael Luenu has really played well for the New England Patriots. He was only a sixth-round pick last year coming out of Michigan. Played at about 360, 370 earlier in his career, trimmed down to about that 340, 350 range. Same type of player. He's a straight people mover in the run game. So has some issues with his athleticism and pass pro. But Fran's quip here was, who are you running behind in short yardage? Yep. Th- this guy's getting you across the uh, across the sticks.
4: I'm excited. Dane, is it because of Deontay Brown or is it because of Leatherwood or you know should uh, Deontay Brown get some uh, props here?
3: No, oh, he, I think he, uh, Ben did a really nice job uh, encapsulating exactly what he does. Uh, I mean, he, I, I think it's fair to say that he does get a little sloppy at times, um, it, you know, and I think that goes to what Ben was saying about the athleticism, but I mean, no doubt he, he is, he's a pretty good run, uh, run blocker, especially when you need that short yardage.
4: Okay. Oh, Dane's not, not really fighting back. Well,
3: well I think I, I, I'm, I'm being honest. Uh, I, I'm not going to lie to you. He, he's a, he's a pretty good run uh, run blocker. I, the sloppiness that that bothers me. That's and that's something that you know w- w- is part of his evaluation that you need to take in and do a and uh, in do into play when you're projecting him, but.
2: Uh, you know he he's a powerful guy, no question. See, Mac, when I paint this fair and accurate picture of the prospects, you know there really isn't a whole lot of gaps to fill in from from Dane and Fran out there. And you know <laughs> I have the negatives, I have the heavy heavy legged at times, but you know what? We want heavy legged in the run game because that guy's churning those legs down the field with that vertical displacement. He's had some weight issues, but in the run game, we need every bit of those 340 pounds. So all those deficiencies. This quip, this question right here. This is where we're making our money. And I think it's all—it's
1: worth noting too. Uh, we, I, we mentioned him earlier. That he is going to the Senior Bowl. Was announced this past week. And Jim Nagy, the executive director of the Senior Bowl, talked about uh, that matchup last year against Derek Brown. And he was the guy that really—if you want to watch Derrick Brown get not handled, but uh, you know, get neutralized a little bit—that uh, game, Alabama and Auburn. You kind of see that from Deontay Brown. And I do think it's notable. C-Mac Ben could have picked any offensive lineman in the entire country. And he goes with Deontay Brown. And I think that that is notable that he feels that strongly that Brown uh, can be that road grader. So I think a uh, hat tip to Ben, um, you know, for feeling that, con- you know, that convicted uh, about uh, Deontay Brown. All right, so I will go here with next. And I'm going to take the chalk answer, guys. I- I'm going to go with Penny Sewell, who is going to be a top five pick uh, in this draft. at 6'6", 325 pounds. All right, now this guy, he has got big bones in his jeans, C-Mac, because his uncle... Is former Eagles defensive tackle Isaac Sopoaga. This is a, this is a big man's family, right? I think Isaac's when you look, rookie. yes, no question. I think when you look at Penny Sewell, the thing that immensely stands out to me. He is consistently powerful on contact. He is a true people mover. Not only is he strong in pass pro, but in the run game, he is just moving guy off their spot, rep after rep after rep after rep. We're talking about the most highly graded offensive lineman in PFF history. Right, I mean, this is a guy that has the ability to win those one-on-one matchups, and you're talking about a guy that can do that. He's done it from the jump. He was a true freshman starter on an upperclassman Oregon offensive line. We talked all year last year about uh, seniors from left to right, right? all those guys uh, that we talked about all this past spring. Sewell was a sophomore next to those guys, and he was the true freshman next to them the year before. So I think you look at Penny Sewell, the fact that he came in and started that program for Mario Cristobal, an offensive line guy, that shows the amount of the ability that this guy has. And again, just immense power moving defensive lineman against their will time and time again, and not just against PAC 12, but I watched him last year against Auburn and what he did uh, against guys like Marlon Robinson or, um, Who's the, uh, the, the, kid that was the first, yeah, it's Marlon Davidson rather. Thank you. Against Derek Brown, what he was able to do against that Auburn defensive front really kind of caught my eye last year too, because obviously we're talking about one of the best front sevens in the country last year. So you look at Penny Sewell, some people will say, oh, move him to guard because we love that physicality. I think he's a tackle all day and I, I love him at tackle, but people will say, oh, move him to guard because of how tenacious he is in the run game, but because of how powerful he is. I look at Penny Sewell as, as such an easy projection because of that power, his ability to move people against their will. That's uh, another day at the, at the office for Penny Sewell. Ooh.
4: Oh, Dane's not liking it. Dane is not <laughs> hey, liking it. Wh- one,
3: of, what? one of the few issues with Penny Sewell is he's not always a finisher. That's one of the few things Whoa. with him. And that's that's something that shows up on tape and something that, uh, you know, it would... When you talk to, about Sewell with people, I, and you—it's these are nitpicks. This is a top five pick, but you wish he was a more consistent finisher. And so, uh, you know, it's it's something that does show up from time to time with him.
1: Interesting. Uh, I see. I it's funny because I talked with Davidson uh, at the uh, fr- you know the former Auburn defensive lineman at the combine, and I said, "Who was the toughest guy you faced?" And remember, he's going up against SEC guys every week. Without blinking, he was like, yeah, it's Penny Sewell. And just the seeing the jump that he made on film, I was really interested to see what he would look like. I saw him as a freshman all season. I watched every single game. I was interested to see what's he going to look like day, day one as a sophomore, and he blew him away and you know, just talked about uh, how physical he was. And I think you see those. I mean, he has – some of the most jaw-dropping finishes of any guy that I saw, especially out in space, but we're not talking about uh, out in space. This guy will destroy people in the screen game. But, uh, no, it's, a, it's interesting that that is the, some of the takeaway for some people after they study him.
2: See, All right. One thing I love right. with him really quick is just his ability to fire off the ball, particularly in those short yardage situations. Usually that's one, the one that can get out of his stance, cross the line, initiate contact first. And that's something Sewell does so well at. He almost shocks and almost catches some defense alignment off guard with how fast he shoots across the ball.
3: I'm going to uh, share with you a text message. I was talking about Sewell last week with a scout okay. Um one thing I definitely don't see is a mean streak. I thought lack of finish was a consistent issue. Also looked short arm. thought he played with people in his chest too much. I do like the athleticism, bender, uh, very good IQ and mobility. So it is something that has come up when talking to you know, people around the league. It's just Interesting. It, he yeah, had that consistent finisher
4: on a snap-to-snap basis. Look at that. Dane just pulling out the phone. A little so
3: flex. A little, nice nice well, little flex there. I, I, no, it's just, it, it was recent. It just happened yeah, last sure. week. Uh, you know, so it was just interesting. I mean, he's, again, we're talking about top five pick here. So we're nitpicking a little bit with him because that's what you do with top five picks. And, it, you know, not saying that he isn't a very good run defender or run blocker because he is, uh, but just one of those things where you can get a little better. All right, well, Dane, kick us off. Uh, round us out. Take us home. All right, well, yeah, as soon as Fran sent this question, I knew exactly uh, who I was going to pick, whether I had the first pick or the third pick. It's Virginia Tech tackle Christian Dariusaw, 6'5", 315 pounds. This man is a human bulldozer. Uh, he moves bodies out of the way, very controlled with how he does it. I mean, at first, it's a quickness off the snap uh, to get on defenders before they can react. Then it's his ability to roll his hips, use his hands so he can thud his target, locking out, steering his man. And then the finish, uh, this is where he really becomes a bully, just manhandles defenders uh, once he locks on. And he doesn't look sloppy doing it either. He stays balanced. He's in control. And that Hokies uh, offense, it's a lot of run first, uh, it, that mentality. So Derisaw, he gets to consistently show off these skills uh, in the run game, uh, create movement. So th- there's no doubt. Short yard situation, I- I'm choosing him every time. The defense knows it. I know it. Yet I would still feel very, very confident. He's going to pick up those tough yards.
4: Love it. Very, very good arguments there. Everyone, everyone, quiet. A little bit of drama here.
1: Uh, it's, I think it's going to be a tight one. It's interesting that you brought up the finish because I, I feel like the I felt the way that the, the, the your scout felt about. Sewell, I kind of felt that way about Darosol. There are certainly good examples of him finishing guys, uh, but there are some where I was like, "Man, I wish you would have dumped this guy there." You know, I wish you would have put this guy uh, on his back here or there. You know, in this this snap or that snap. But uh, this will be an interesting one, see Mac. What do you got for us?
4: You know, Darosol is very intriguing. Uh, the fact that I had not heard of him until this conversation, I, I, I like being enlightened. It's part of the experience for me here, hearing about some of these guys. Payne Sewell, I've I've heard about. Of I mean, course. that tells you how prominent he is. I mean, I think it was Bruce Feldman who was kind of uh, pounding the table that he could have been the, a Heisman Trophy contender last year. That's how dominant he was. And, you know, it seems like he's going to be the top offensive lineman off the board. But again, the, the question here that you pose, Fran, third and one, goal to go situation. What's that tough? Who, how do you get that tough yard? Who are you running behind? And uh, Ben with Deontay Brown, I mean, you talked about how he neutralized Derek Brown last year. You know, just a people mover that that even – he's not athletic, 6'4", 340, just getting it done dirty. Oh,
2: that's an athletic 340. That's an athletic, athletic
4: 340. 4, uh, yes, all <laughs> things considered. I was going to say, come on now, you know.
2: Just watch I, him get in and out of his stance. That's just impressive to watch him bend and, and tie his shoes.
4: Yeah, I, I don't want him chasing after me anytime <laughs> soon, but uh, it, it seems like if you need someone in the trenches there for that tough yard, I'm going to go with Deontay Brown. So, Ben – you can get the victory here. No, uh, you know, no charity, not nothing like that this time around. It, it's a solid, solid dub for you. Just the fact that, you know, I respect your offensive line acumen and uh, what you look for in the trenches. And the fact that neither of your competitors had any questions about his finish ability, you know, Dane and, and Fran were kind of picking each other off there at the end saying your guy can't finish. Well, no problems there with Deontay Brown. So
2: hey, it's a heck of a pick. I'd argue if I could. I'd
4: argue <laughs> if
1: I could. There you go. Oh, there you go. So Ben uh, ties it up there. Dane, you jumped out to the early lead in this uh, in this battle this season, and we've uh, we've caught up here uh, in a big way. C Mac, thanks so much once again. We'll talk to all three of you guys later here on the Journey of the Draft Podcast, driven by Triple A. Now it's time to hear from you, the fans, in the draft mailbag. All right, let's wrap it up here with our draft mailbag. Again, the best way to throw us your support. If you love this show, if you love the the stuff that we've been giving you twice a week here on this platform, please, go on to Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating, leave us a comment, you hit us with a question, we'll answer it, you hit us with a mock draft, like our man Wilt did, we'll break it down here on the show. So let's get into the mock draft. The five picks he has for the Eagles. Now, he had the Eagles picking at 26 in this mock, so the five picks going ahead of them. 21, the Miami Dolphins taking Florida State Safety Hamza Nazardine. 22, the Jaguars taking Miami tight end Brevin Jordan. 23, the Ravens taking Purdue wide receiver Rondell Moore. 24, the Titans taking Pittsburgh defensive end Patrick Jones. And then 25, the Bucks taking defensive tackle Christian Barmore. Uh, Nazardine at 21, look, he's a guy that when I've evaluated him, I think his film is a first-round film. He just hasn't played this year, so it's a really tough projection to be able to make. Hopefully, everything is good with the knee, but uh, since he has not played, we talked about this a couple weeks ago on the show, it's tough to project him to round one kind of the same deal with Rondell Moore right now his is a little bit more mystery uh you know in terms of why he has not played yet because he did opt back in after initially opting out of the season but adding a lot more speed to that Ravens offense makes a lot of sense but those are the five that went ahead of the Eagles the five that went after 27 the Giants took Ohio State guard Wyatt Davis the Bills took tight end Kyle Pitts the Philly kid uh from Florida the 49ers at 29 take TCU safety Ardarius Washington the Chiefs at 30 take tackle Sam Cosme from Texas. And then at 31, the New Orleans Saints taking pass rusher Boogie Basham. So uh, the big thing now with the Eagles, they're picking at 26. Who do they get off a trade back? Will let us know. The Eagles select Quincy Roche, the pass rusher from the U, from Miami. I have not done Roche's film yet this year. But I'll tell you what uh, I liked him when he was at Temple, and this not just because I'm a Temple guy, but uh, this is a guy who can get off the ball. He can turn the quarter, He's a nice athlete. I talked with a lot of players uh, down at the Senior Bowl and the Shrine, or in the uh, and the Senior Bowl and the or the Combine rather. And you know those guys, a lot of them, when I talk, hey, who was the best pass rush uh, player? That, who was the best pass rusher that you faced this past year? A couple of them brought up. Quincy Roche because of his ability to get off the ball and then win at the top of the rush as well. I think the arrow is pointing up on him. Obviously look, uh, Greg Rousseau. all eyes were going to be on him for that Miami team coming into the year. He opts out. So now you've got Roche on one side. We talked about Jalen Phillips earlier in the show. Those two guys, those two transfers have really kind of been the bookends for that Miami team. They've got a a really good front seven down there, a good defensive front, uh, and Roche one of the centerpieces of that group. 51, uh, Nick Bolton, the linebacker from Missouri. I personally am a big, big fan of Nick Bolton, and I think he will go higher. Me, personally, I feel like he will go higher than 51. It, I would be a little shocked. if the, That would be great value in my mind if he were to fall to 51 and the Eagles were to get him. I bet you he honestly ends up in that range that where you had the Eagles taking Rochet. I kind of think that's where Bolton ends up in this draft. He is a sideline to sideline player, a little bit short, a little bit stocky, or squatty, I should say. Um, you know, His length will come into question for some, but he is a ferocious player. Uh, downhills, but, but an explosive athlete, can play sideline to sideline. I really like uh, Nick Bolton. Uh, Diamandour Lenore, I like this kid. He's the corner from Oregon. Uh, He's got a little bit more juice than his teammate Thomas Graham. We talked about him last week because he's going to the senior bowl. Uh, I like Lenore, and he he is playing for the Ducks this year. Um, This is a guy I think has got some pretty good tools to him. He's got enough speed, but he's also a pretty instinctive player. I think he plays the ball a little bit better uh, than Thomas Graham. But I I do like Lenore, and I think that value sounds about right to me in terms of uh, that mid-third-round range. Uh, 130, Wilt said his biggest steal, and I would agree with this, is Clemson wide receiver Justin Ross. Listen, Justin Ross, the Clemson wide receiver, is a top 15 pick talent-wise. He in this scenario he would fall because of the questions uh, with his injury. It was revealed that uh, he had a back injury. I believe it was a um, uh, it did require surgery, and he has not played since. Uh, there were some questions about whether what his f- football future will hold. Hopefully, knock on wood, he will be able to play. He will be able to, number one live a, a healthy, uh, normal life moving forward. But Justin Ross on film top 15 pick. I mean, long, explosive. He is smooth. He's a good route runner. He is, I want to say, the total package at the receiver position. He came on as a true freshman like gangbusters and was outstanding for the Tigers. Uh, as a junior now, he's, if he's healthy, I mean, he is one of the best playmakers uh, in this draft. So uh, he for sure is one guy that that really uh, has intrigued me. After that, we've got center Tyler Linderbaum at 146. Jacoby Stevens, the safety from LSU. You want to talk about him. You have him at 166. I like Stevens, and he is a play Maker, he's instinctive I like him close to the line of scrimmage and honestly me personally I might even like embrace the move for him for moving the linebacker and that's not even a knock about oh can he play in space because he made plays from the post and you know showed that sideline to sideline range but he is just so comfortable down close to the line of scrimmage and to me you talk about guys like, uh, you know, Jeremiah Wusu koromoa and, you know, there are, there are guys that play that, right, where they're kind of those halfway players that play off the edge. They're kind of big slots. And the question is, well, yeah, but how do they play when they're close to the box? I think when you look at a guy uh, like Jacoby Stevens. He's used to playing in the box. He's used to reading from uh, you know, from a stacked position with defensive linemen in front of him and reading through the traffic and getting to the football. Jacoby Stevens, uh, at that point in the draft, would really, really intrigue me. My guess is he'll go higher than that as well. Um, I, I'm a big fan uh, of Jacoby Stevens. This is all based off 2019 film. I have not done the 2020 film on him yet, but I really like Stevens from what I saw last year. Uh, TJ Carter, the corner from Clemson, is a player I know some are high on. I have not done TJ Carter yet. Uh, Jarrett Patterson, another center, and then Big Cat Brown rounds it out uh, pass rusher from Auburn well-rounded player I don't think he's special in any one area Uh, he's got he's got some ferocity to him I like the way he plays Uh, obviously got a great name one of the best names uh, in college football but uh, yeah a well-rounded player not one special trait. I think it's a good way to kind of wrap up uh, big cat Brian Wilt Great mock draft. Appreciate you uh, once again for posting on our Apple Podcast page. Again, for all of you out there, the best way to throw us your support. If you want a mock draft broken down just like Wilt's, go on. Leave us a leave us a rating. Leave us a comment with the mock draft in the comment, and we'll break it down. If you've got a question about a specific prospect or uh, a need for a specific team. Throw it on there as well. We'll answer it right here on the show. All right, that being said, good stuff this week from Dane, from Ben, from CMAC, from Anthony Patch. Really appreciate him jumping on the show with us once again. Thanks so much to all of you out there for your continued support of this show. We'll be back next week, or actually later this week, right here on the Journey of the Draft podcast, driven by AAA.